0: We were in a superior position in terms of our vendor partners, knowing what our business was, knowing what our demands were, knowing some of the personalities. When we picked up the phone, people already knew who we were, they knew what our mission was, they knew what we were gonna ask for, and they're already leaning into what we needed. That level of support has only gotten better and stronger, and now our goal and our challenge is, how do you maintain that? Especially in an environment where the demands are only gonna go up. Very rarely do you get a chance to stress test your system in production.
1: Federal IT has taken the ultimate stress test during the COVID-19 pandemic and has withstood the strain. Fortified by ongoing modernization efforts, agency CIOs and their teams have ensured the delivery of vital government services during unprecedented crisis. As the new normal paves the road to recovery, Meritalk is chronicling those success stories. Welcome to the Meritalk podcast series CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. Today we go into the eye of the storm with the Department of Veterans Affairs, or VA, the second largest federal agency, and the largest civil agency. This episode is brought to you by Dell, ServiceNow, and Thundercat Technology. Even in the best of times, the VA has a huge mandate with a department budget of $220 billion to provide health care, benefits, and services to support the nation's nearly 20 million veterans. Its largest unit, Veterans Health Administration, or VHA, offers health care at 1,440 facilities under an annual budget of more than $80 billion. The agency's Veterans Benefits Administration, or VBA, delivers a host of other benefits and services for vets and the National Cemetery Administration takes care of burial sites and services across the United States. In these extremely trying times, VA has met the health crisis with a remarkable expansion of IT-driven patient care capabilities thanks to modernization of key underlying service architectures. VA is innovating to outpace service demand during the coronavirus pandemic and to prepare for whatever lies ahead. In an exclusive interview with Meritalk, VA CIO Jim Guffer covers how the agency prepared for unprecedented demand and continues on the modernization fast track. So Jim, as the CIO of a large agency with a unique mission to support veterans, can you tell us what were a couple of your largest priorities and successes in this COVID-19 pandemic? What are you proudest of and what surprised you the most?
0: Yeah, what, what are we proudest of? I, I would just say the rapidity and the speed, the agility with, at which the uh, all of our, our ecosystem of employees, vendor partners, really came together to swarm the problem. That was, again, not a surprise. That was, again, it's probably one of the most proud things, is that the teamwork, not only within OINT, but also with our vendor partners, having returned from commercial sector recently, I wouldn't really say it's a surprise as much as as I was pleased at the commitment that our vendors, partners in the ecosystem, really how they leaned into it. Everyone was there, again, in their own sector, scrumming on the problem really hard, trying to find ways in a disrupted supply chain to help us grow exponentially. I think we were concerned initially that the Defense Production Act, since we were not formally a part of that, that we would, you know, if, if you're not in, you're out. But I think we were able to work with GSA and, and work with our vendor partners to find the right fit. One of the things I stressed to our vendor partners early on at the most senior level was, and I remember talking to one of the senior leaders at Cisco, for example, and I said, you know, explain to them our fourth mission about providing health care in a national emergency. And I said, you know, I hope it doesn't happen, but you may find one of your non-veteran Cisco employees or family members that ends up getting treated at a VA facility. Right. That's how important this is. And so I think that added like an extra sense of urgency to everyone to realize that in the midst of a pandemic, a healthcare focused agency was probably one they wanted to focus on.
1: Right. Can you provide some metrics to illustrate the success of your work during the pandemic?
0: Yeah. You know, let me start with the one that, that really gets kind of the least acknowledgement or attention. You know, I have to even stress to people in our own office that we are called the office of information and technology, not the Office of Information Technology. And the reason that's important, again, titles and labels and and words mean things, is our ability to harness information and data and make sure that they're there for our customer. You know, one of the biggest successes, and I think if you went and asked VHA and Dr. Lieberman and Dr. Stone, and by the way, we were also servicing the White House Task Force, CDC, and some others, was our business intelligence service line, Uh, with Jack Bates and our corporate data warehouse and how we're able to use our corporate data warehouse feeds with VHA and then harness the data around a whole ecosystem. You know, one of them is the national biosurveillance tool. So you literally could have two entire phone calls just talking about those tools and those data warehouses that we're pulling from, but really our ability to get kind of that single source of truth for the department and harness that data. And, and I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate and understand how much goes into the other 364 days a year to get that data right, to get it normalized, to you know, to get it accurate, so that when you know agency leadership is looking at that, or in the case of the White House task force, you know, national leadership, they have that confidence in it. And so I think from a metric standpoint, our ability to expand that and work with VHA and others to provide that single source of truth was was a real standout.
1: Okay, and how about progress in telework?
0: We were concerned early on that on any given day, we had probably about 35 to 40,000 teleworkers, which out of 400,000 is not much, right? And the the vast majority of those are in VBA, probably in veterans benefits. But we were concerned that in early conversation with VHA, that we were going to, uh, you know, see upwards of, you know, not necessarily everybody, but like probably Half of the department be out there. And when you looked at our virtual private network and the Citrix access gateway, which are two channels to get folks that remote access, VPN was very scalable and we were able to work with Citrix quickly to do some things uh, to modernize at our four tick gateways. VPNs dependent on the number of GFE laptops you can have. So, you know, we were prepared to probably uh, at any given time do upwards of 200,000. We ended up plateauing. At about 138,000 right now on any given day in VA. So, about a tripling of that. We could probably increase that, you know, probably half again as much. One of the benefits of a pandemic is very rarely do you get a chance to stress test your system in production, right? Over the period of about a week for each of the VPN and the Citrix Access Gateway, we had the cooperation and, dare I say, the patience of VHA and VBA to stress test the network. And so, Long way to say that we are now looking at a much better infrastructure, more cloud-based, probably going to Windows Virtual Desktop, you know, to to give all those advantages and scalability of the cloud. And we were certainly a lot smarter on May 1st than we were on March 1st in terms of what the needs were going to be.
1: Are there any other metrics you can share?
0: Uh, you know, every government agency has some form of services that they have to provide, not just uh, you know creating that uh, remote access for their employees, but Telehealth, we're basically looking at about a tenfold increase. The two metrics you'll hear is, you'll hear daily appointments, that VHA will talk about daily appointments, and I think they're upwards of about thirty to 35,000 daily appointments right now. I think it was low single-digit thousands. We in OIT tend to talk about telehealth in terms of number of concurrent users, right? Because again, it's not that we don't care that there's 35,000 appointments today, We care what's the max demand that's going to be on the network at any given time, right? So we are at about ten or 11,000 concurrent sessions right now. And with our cloud expansion this week with the vendor, we think we're going to be upwards of 17,000 concurrent sessions. So if you look at that, right, 35,000 in a given day, we could have about half of those, you know, essentially ongoing at one time. Our mantra throughout has been stay ahead of VHA and VA's demand. And I think the metrics have proven that we've been able to do it.
1: What about website figures, like the number of hits you're getting and how the websites are performing?
0: What we've been able to do around the other kind of digital transformation, our digital experience team um, has really been pretty phenomenal. Obviously, our principal focus in OINT is to serve the business lines, in this case, principally VHA, but also VBA. In this case, we really have an opportunity to help go right to the veteran and the, and the patient experience. And so around my healthy vet usage, which is, as you know, is our patient portal. I use that myself as a veteran in the system around VA.gov. Those have all seen, I'd say 30 to 40 percent increase in, in usage and hits and secure messaging and everything. So again, when you talk about staying ahead of demand, we've certainly done that. And then you also talk about it. Sometimes it takes a pandemic to you know accelerate and increase the adoption of those platforms, and you're certainly seeing it here.
1: What are the biggest lessons you've learned since the pandemic began?
0: We talk about staying ahead of demands. I wouldn't say it's much as a, as a lesson as as it is just a positive reinforcement on the remote access as one key component. Certainly, VA as a culture was not postured for remote access. I think every federal agency. And really, commercial entity is revisiting that right now. I saw Facebook and Google are telling their folks, be prepared to remote access or to be off-site up to the rest of the year, for example. We're certainly having those conversations. If we had not done some of the things that we had done in the cloud to position ourselves better over the past two years, I think it would have been a much more bumpy ride. It would have been a less smoother transition in terms of some of the various service areas, both remote access and telehealth, had we not done what we did in the cloud. And again, I don't think we have any monopoly, although I would tell you that I think VA is is probably one of the leaders in terms of cloud adoption. I think we're upwards of about 80 or 90 of our applications are, are now hosted in the cloud. I was looking at our, our data center optimization initiative. We now have joined our on-prem and our cloud folks in our infrastructure ops sub pillar and we were talking about how we accelerate our plan going forward to reduce our on-prem, to accelerate our cloud migration, and then go over what metrics really matter. The other one in terms of uh, lessons, I would say, is the criticality of having a relationship with your commercial vendors, you know? And you know the old Stephen Covey adage, right? You can't surge trust. We were in a superior position in terms of our vendor partners knowing what our business was, knowing what our demands were, knowing some of the personalities. When we picked up the phone, people already knew who we were. They knew what our mission was. They knew what we were going to ask for, and they're already leaning into what we needed. So I would say that's probably, again, one of the greatest lessons and reinforcements is around that vendor relationship.
1: So have you seen a change in the cyber threat landscape? How are you dealing with that?
0: we know that in the midst of any crisis that threat actors are going to take advantage of the chaos. We made it an early goal of ours. You know, we believe within our, our enterprise cybersecurity program that the individual employee is probably both simultaneously the strongest and weakest link, right? The human in the loop. And so I think we've put a lot of emphasis on education. We added our uh, co-fence fish me button uh, just in time. We put a lot of emphasis in the culture around people being attuned to the cyber threats that are out there. And again, I think the individual employee, it kind of starts and ends with them. We certainly paid attention with CISA and HHS when they had their big DDoS attacks early in March. That's another great lesson is our partnership with CISA and how we uh, you know, collectively maintain security. It's validated quite a few things. So we've got good security around our medical devices. We've got good cybersecurity culture in the department. So we're going to continue to you know, put a lot of effort into that in the coming months.
1: What about the CDM program? How's that performed
0: for you? I know we're an active participant in it. Again, our partnership with CISA, everything that they do for us at the Trusted Internet Connection Gateways, that really is the center of gravity and then into the enterprise and the individual users. That's just emblematic of our great partnership with CISA.
1: So how do you measure agency performance at the hospital and business level in the trenches?
0: We have a very active customer satisfaction cadence, right? And we use American Customer Satisfaction Index ACSI scoring. Our ACSI scores have gone up eight points, I think, in the past year. They've gone up three points just in the past three months. You know, what does that pretend? I mean, we've got a lot of granular data around that. We're not doing anything other than just serving our customer real well. We can't believe me. If you ask a VA employee, especially a VH employee, what their opinion is in these areas, they will give you a very unvarnished, very honest answer. I think that's the one thing that's been really tremendous coming out of the Vizins is that that level of support has only gotten better and stronger. And now our goal and our challenge is how do you maintain that, right? Especially in an environment where the demands are only going to go up.
1: Knowing what you know today, what advice would you have given yourself three months ago?
0: Yeah, I mean the the obvious one is the telehealth and telework, right? I mean those are the most quantifiable and most you know you can't fake those. Those are you either you either hit the metrics and deliver or you don't. Would have liked to have been better positioned, but then again was very pleased with how the team swarmed the problem and got it together. Um, you know those are those are the big two. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Beyond that, uh, I mean, I think the way we organized, we used a model that was similar to Mission Act where we set up, we had a master scrum leader who ended up being Paul Brubaker, who's our deputy chief information officer for account management. And Paul is a certified scrum master, which is one of the reasons why I picked him. And uh, we organized very quickly around those 10 teams and seeing the challenges we had last year, same time frame for Mission Act, that doesn't necessarily answer the what would I tell myself. But that experience really guided us, certainly guided me in terms of how we attack the problem.
1: The VA has a lot of employees that can't telework because they're frontline people. For those that can't stay home, are there any IT adjustments or mobility accommodations that you can make that would change their lives a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think Jack Galvin, who's our director of IT operations, and I saw it even from our IT folks, is the desire to go more towards mobile. You can see that with VHA, you'll certainly see with OIT. You know, as we go to uh, ServiceNow with these mobile applications, again, so you can see where where mobile is really creating additional efficiencies for IT, uh, and you're going to see that accelerate. I think the same case, you're going to see that for VHA. Certainly in the pandemic with the disease control issue, we are putting more cycles into contactless PIV. Right, So devices for the federal ID card to be able to almost have a, a proximity instead of a you know, physical insertion into an endpoint in order to activate it. So quite a few things like that that are going on around mobile, contactless, PIV, and some other things.
1: How do you look at intergovernment collaboration and cooperation? Are there greater opportunities for that kind of collaboration?
0: I don't think any of us could really foresee the type of continuity of operation that this pandemic created. I think the big one is going to be probably for all of us to talk through a little bit better around supply chain and defense production act and how that's going to go in the future, because uh, we would have been in a real world of hurt if it had gone a lot farther, a lot faster. There's a lesson learned in there for the workforce and the employees too. I, I chuckle why I say this because, you know, we were encouraging folks to push people offsite and to test their remote access and make sure they knew how to do that. You know, so the lesson learned for, Non IT folks, is you absolutely have to have periods where you test your continuity of operations plan. That individual preparedness and readiness to work remote access. You find most folks in the federal government, they don't take it very seriously. Hopefully, we will all take it much more seriously after this.
1: How are information and best practices being shared across the agency IT teams?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Suzette did a great job, especially early on. You know, she had us on. Uh, periodic. At some point, I think we were daily calls, right? You know, she had us brief, for example, how we worked with Cisco at our trusted internet connection gateways, and how we're able to essentially double our capacity by breaking mirroring, and then by, you know, uh, working with the vendor quickly to get the additional equipment in place, working with the carriers to double the bandwidth. And then other departments and agencies were able to brief their stories to uh, the old joke, right, is we're all going to make mistakes. Let's just make different ones. Our whole experience around the trusted internet connections and all the stuff I described, I think there were a number of department and agencies, CIOs who I spoke with, who were able to, you know, get a couple of steps ahead by virtue of what we had experienced. Certainly there's some other lessons learned that I observed from, you know, uh, Rajiv Mathur at uh, SSA and Eric Olson at Treasury and whatever. So again, I think those briefs were really helpful.
1: So from your perspective, what systems have worked best? And do you have any lessons learned that you could share in IT modernization, cloud, cyber, or authentication?
0: We've been putting in several instances of Vista, which is our healthcare information system, into various cloud platforms. And we're able to do some things in terms of cloud hosting to even further enhance and improve performance around those. We know, for example, that Coming out of the pandemic, there's going to be uh, VBAs is is expecting there's going to be a pretty significant increase in claims, additional and supplemental claims. Again, when you look at the scalability of all these systems, we're just in a much better position now to anticipate and accelerate to be prepared for that demand as it hits us. But, uh, you know, as, as I remind folks, we are literally in a black swan event And I know Dr. Stone, when he was talking to the VHA team in one of the early days, he said, you know, we have to remember that a black swan event, by definition, is an event for which none of us, the sum total of our skills and experiences have prepared us for this sort of event. That's the, you know, the thesis of a black swan event. It is so rare and so unusual that you really can't uh, depend entirely on your past experiences, right? You really have to think very critically about this. I mean, an example of that would be uh, internally, and I know we're talking about interagency, but we made the extraordinary step of almost immediately taking upwards of half of our end user operations staff, you know, those out at the medical centers and ROs, and putting them in an off-site setting at their residence, really out of force protection, right, to get them out of the medical centers, keep them healthy. But then there was also a value proposition around they were going to be able to do their ticketing from home. We also use them to augment our commercial enterprise service desk for the absolute deluge we've got uh, around remote access.
1: Okay. Thinking back to your days in the first week of this crisis, how are your days different now? Are you fully entrenched in this new normal and what does that look like?
0: Yeah, I would say we're just getting to we're at the beginning of the beginning of, of our new normal, I would say. The urgency of the pandemic, you know, kind of in a first aid sense, right? I, I think that would be an apt metaphor, especially in a healthcare emergency, right? Stop the bleeding, start the breathing, treat for shock. You know, everything's kind of stabilized now. We worked our way through the remote access challenges. We know what the brighter, better future is, and that's probably around VPN and Windows virtual desktop image around VDI. And we know that we're going to start to provision and get to that architecture so that, boom, if we were to get hit with it again, even in July or, you know, say in the early fall, we would be able to rapidly and very quickly, very efficiently from a cost and from an infrastructure standpoint, accelerate. And we could probably provision up to the entire VA workforce, which I don't think would ever be a need.
1: When you're looking at the big picture and what's next, what do you think will change in our government, in our society moving forward as a result of this pandemic experience?
0: Well, just speaking from the federal space for a minute, I think the one thing that we really need to have a better conversation around is how we're positioned and how we're resourced as a federal IT community to support business processes and these sorts of continuity of operations. I think that's the same for every department and agency is every department and agency from a senior leader standpoint and certainly from the cio standpoint are going to and the cfo are going to have to have a conversation about are we appropriately resourced to address these sorts of contingencies again in the future and do we have the sort of modernized and scalable environment so that if the next contingency is not quite as generous in terms of onset right it's a little more urgent and impactful Will we have the opportunity to scale up faster to not only put our workforce in a sustained remote environment, but also to continue to deliver services? So I think those are the hard questions that agencies are going to have to ask themselves. Okay, Jim, would you like
1: to give any shout outs to team members at VA or others across government?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly Suzette. Kent, for her leadership and her engendering collaboration across the federal space, our colleagues at GSA and those that had to work through the Defense Production Act challenges. Internal to OIT, you know, I would say uh, Jack Galvin, who's our director of IT operations and his entire team. Paul Brubaker, who is our scrum master, who led those 10 work streams every day and represented us in the healthcare operations center. And then certainly uh, Susan Perez, who was, was my executive in charge for COVID. She worked with the department as our lead executive every day to keep IT's needs kind of front and center to make sure we could support the enterprise.
1: Okay. So, you know, the industry model where you would go to a tech show and you would see some technology, it's really not happening now. How would you and your team function without conferences as we know them? And how do you envision interacting with industry?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no substitute. I mean, I guess I'm kind of old school and it still comes to there's there's no substitute for being there. I would cite the Silicon Valley trip we did in January as a very good example. The ability to take 20 plus of our executives offsite for a solid week and to meet with the industry teams that we met with our partners in Silicon Valley. Again, you can't put a price on that uh, in terms of experience and learning and future development. And again, as I cited, I think that was a real helpful aspect for everyone as we entered the pandemic and had to work with them much more closely.
1: Today, we've been talking to VA CIO, Jim Giffer. Jim, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody.
1: And thank you listeners for joining Maritalk's podcast series, CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. We hope you'll continue to join us as we take a look at federal IT's reaction to the crisis, the challenges faced along the way, and ultimately, the success stories that have kept America rolling. This episode was brought to you by Dell, ServiceNow, and Thundercat Technology.